got a question. Ran into something in one of my games recently. Do you guys like the idea of waking up in a dream? Like it was all in a dream. Adam, do you- like an entire session that was all in some dreamscape. Would you like to go first? Yes, I absolutely freaking love that. You do? I absolutely love oh, that. Oh, wait, hang on. Wake up and it's all a dream, or you actively know you're part of the dream? Like Final Fantasy VII style? The way it happened to me, or rather the way I ran it, which was a mistake, was you wake up and everything you've just done is a dream surprise. Not, you are well aware it's a dream, so let's make, you know, adamantine citadels out of dream stuff. No, I'm all, I'm I'm a big fan of the it was all a dream. As Why do you like it? As long as it has a purpose, right? Right. Like, uh, for example, we're talking about the Astral Sea today, right? Yeah. Um, that's not a surprise. They clicked on the episode, so right. we're we're talking about the Astral Sea. Congratulations, you could read. Yeah, uh, the idea of you uh, astral projecting or whatever into the Astral Sea, and you're in like this dreamscape or whatnot, is intensely interesting to me. Especially if you've never done it before, and it's just weird, and you're like looking around. All of a sudden, like everybody has a long rest, and then they wake up, and they've got these long silvery cords coming out the top of their heads. They're like, "What the fuck is this about?" Hmm. Right? Like, I like the idea. I like the idea of it being totally normal and then gradually getting weirder and weirder and weirder. And people are sitting there going, well, this is just Dungeons and Dragons, right? Like, things get weird. But no, it's getting weirder and weirder. And the barbarian now has four eyes. And the monk can only speak backwards. And, like, it's getting stranger and stranger. And then you wake up. And then those... And everyone's like, oh, weird week. And then the events start to repeat themselves. And oh, that's, that's the reveal. Yeah, where, no, I like that. Like, it's it's a borderline prophecy. Yeah, if you were just like, you know what? We're doing a one-shot, and it said, oh, it was all in a dream. A mind flayer was messing with... No, that, that's horseshit. There has to be reason behind it. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. I I, I was originally going to say no, but Adam got me thinking. I like when uh, it's like it could be real, but you're kind of not sure. Like, mm-hmm. uh, like you uh, communicate with a god or something, or something you thought was a god, but it was just a dude in the hood or something like that. Well, I... And, you're kind of not sure, but you think it might be prophecy. It's <laughs> just a dude in Jared over there is yeah. like, hey, and his prophecy. Name is Jared. <laughs> no, I, and the thing is, you got to do with the with the dreamscape is you got to be very careful if you are running a dreamscape thing. Is don't give them items, don't give them anything they're going to want other than information once they wake up, because then you have to justify why that's all gone, other than it was just a dream. Well. I see again. I'm like, oh, and you dreamt about the prophesized sword, and you have the sword, and you slayed the big demon, whatever, right? And then you keep, and you just say, all right, during long rest, who's sleeping, who's on watch, whatnot, okay? And then you roll dice, and you dreamt of the sword again. And this is just something you you tease your player with for ten episodes before you give them the sword or ten yeah. sessions, right? <laughs> like, like I I don't mind putting that stuff in dreams. It, the players will probably take, they'll groan. And then it'll take them about an hour or two of gameplay to figure it out. And they'll be like, oh, oh, we're doing this. Oh, okay, this is a plot yeah, point. Yeah. Right. When, I would just keep saying, where is the sword to you? Oh, where yeah. is the sword? Off that cliff? I'll jump off that cliff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, all right. Uh, I open the door. What do I see? Is it a sword? Right. Like, I, I, yes, Terry, I've played with you before. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> Welcome to It's a Mimic with your DMs, Adam, Dan, and Terry. Welcome to another episode of the It's a Mimic podcast, the roundtable Dungeons and Dragons discussion where you never know what you're going to get. I'm Dan, and with me are Adam and Terry, and today we're talking about the Astral Sea. 
Jesus, you did it in one go. I got it. That in was one. take one. Boom. Anyways, so we're talking about the Astral Sea, uh, which is the not plane, but is a plane. It's that weird little uh, space in between all of the planes. Um, it is the thir- uh, the second like of the, where tra- the bathroom is. <laughs> Shit, sorry, that was so. <laughs> Even Dan looked at me like that was the shittest joke you ever said. It took me a I'm second because shit ones out the way. You're talking about like the bathroom between like first class, like and, the and weird coach. space where they're making coffee, but like three feet away, you're trying to take a silent shit like on a plane. Oh no, dude, you got to own that. You just got to go for it. <laughs> Okay. I, that, like wow. that scene from Most Empowered. Who I'm... does number two work for? That's why I only shit in first class. <laughs> and then immediately turn around and walk back to coach slowly as possible. I have imposter syndrome. I don't know if I could. Do... I would not go if I, even if I snuck into the first class bathroom. Does theirs look the same? I've never been in. No, it's actually like that's what the is cockpit there space is. Space for actually. a human. Yeah. Yeah, they've replaced cockpits a long time ago. It's all drones now. We just yeah. fly around in drones. They just don't want you to know that. They they have the automated, this is your pilot speaking, oh, right? Like, and it's just a big, like, 40-foot-long bathroom up at the front like of the, the plane. the bartender yeah. on passengers? Yeah. That's what it's like. That's yeah. the pilots. Spoiler alert for passengers. I'm sure you've seen it. It's Jennifer Lawrence. Oh, is that the one with Chris Pratt, too? Yeah. Yeah. Glad you remembered it for the right reasons. <laughs> Yeah, it is, yeah. Cool. Anyway, so today we're talking about the Astral Sea, not airplanes, but there are airships that are there as well. Um, Basically, the way that this is described in 5th edition and with previous editions as well is a vast silvery sea um, with specks of light and darkness and... uh, swirling colors uh, as far as the eye can see. Um, Usually the best way to get there is through astral projection, which is a spell uh, where you are projected into the plane and a silvery thread appears right at the base of your skull out Hmm. for about a foot before it turns invisible. And then you're walking along with a foot-long silvery thread. And this thing will, if this is severed, will straight up kill you. So Straight it's, up. It's, it's it's invisible, but I could still say trip over it. Um, it's still there. I know what I. It, it goes up and back out of your head. Right. So I would say no, you can't really trip over but, it. But I mean, I could touch it, but not see it. I would I say after it goes invisible, it. after it goes invisible, <laughs> you can't touch it unless you have the means to touch it. Okay. I would even say that touching it would be like it, if I was running it. Touching the silvery cord at the back of your head would be like running your hand through through cold water, right? Like you can interrupt the stream, but it goes right back oh, the way it, the way and it was. you do that, and the person whose thread you run your hand through just or gets whatnot, an erection. Not a, I was gonna say like a d six of psychic <laughs> damage or chronic <laughs> damage or something. Yeah, so you got like a, you got a d six. How yeah. does one sever it? Can you only sever it at the part you can see, or can you sever it where it's invisible? Um, you have to have an ability that says you sever it. And then at that point, it would have to be where it's visible in my mind. Um, it, where it goes beyond that, it would be kind of a cheap play. But then again, when you got things like astral dreadnoughts and literal deities walking around through the astral sea on the regular, I don't see it being too far fetched for a you know one of your players to just become paralyzed and floating down. I imagine God these people holding the end of the silver thread, going, "Why the fuck are you in here?" Yeah, they've figured out how to interact with this thing. Yeah. So interesting trivia moment, Dan. Do you know when it became the Astral Sea? Fourth edition. Remember what it was before that? The Astral Plane. Yeah, yeah. But do you remember what it was before that? Um, 
uh, it was just a dreamscape thing, wasn't it? It was a cloud. Back in the in the world tree model of of the world mm-hmm. before the, the the spell plague hit. Um, it was, uh, if you pictured the tree and like, there's the trunk with the prime material plane and then all the little branches out there, the other planes and whatnot. And then like a child would draw that cloud around for the leaves. That's the astral sea. And you would have to like traverse through it from plane to plane, or you could go down the branches and stuff mm-hmm. as well. And then the spell plague hit and then smash it all to shit and it became the astral sea. Yeah. And apparently it's a little of both now. Yeah. It, the, the from what it, from what, uh, I've been reading, it's kind of, it is a massive foggy uh, landscape that just goes on forever, uh, horizontal and flat for the most part. There's not a lot of vertical or, or whatnot movement in it, unless you're in a more dreamscapey version. Um, but it's uh, like walking along, uh, there's a scene in one of the uh, Stanley Kubrick movies where he's walking along and it's like that very thin layer of water and that's it. Right, and that's what I see when I see the astral sea. So, I, like this wide open, endless expanse of gray and swirling colors, and uh, um, like a centimeter of water on the ground as you're walking, and each step you splash as you go. And I would say um, I did find some rules for like if you are especially intelligent and you understand where you are, you might be able to then fly based off of intelligence check. That's old but holdover stuff from, it, from yeah, the second is. edition. I read that there there's um, areas of matter, like chunks of earth that have been sucked in from the material plane that are just floating around. Um, so before it became kind of a highway be- between the planes, the Astral Sea was kind of... Good job, Terry. That was an accidental <laughs> dice roll. I apologize. Uh, the Astral Sea... 15, was, you win. Hmm. The Astral Sea was a dumping ground of sorts for dead gods. So dead gods would just be thrown into the Astral Sea. Their bodies would be thrown into the Astral Sea and would slowly calcify and grow rock on them. And these things would be floating around. So you have these random floating islands that are pieces of or full bodies of dead gods that have become calcified and then I'm picturing nowhere from Guardians of the Galaxy where they're in the massive skull exactly there's a big city in there Uh, there's actually there is a city within the Astral Sea that we'll talk about later Um, it's the Githyanki city of Tulnarath which is I'm just gonna make sure I said that correctly Um, it's Chances are you didn't. Chances are I didn't. It's it was just a dragons, folks. Yeah, it's made up words made by silly people. Let's let's move on. Yeah, yeah. but uh, it's it's a massive. Uh, yeah, to to Narath, um, is a massive uh, Gith Yankee stronghold that has been um, built on the body of a long dead god, and because of who they are as Gith Yankee, they've built this massive keep uh, around the skull of this thing and this is where the leader of the Githyanki, the revered queen uh, Vlakith sits, right? And that's where they wage their war on Illithid and the Githzerai, is from that one city. But that's like the only main city in the Astral Sea itself. Everywhere else, you gotta go like, to the Outer Plains to, like, to get to the Astral Sea and and Do you know if you can travel straight into the city? Is there gates? Oh, uh, to in, to inside of the city. Um, the yes, there are gates to the city. Um, it is also heavily protected and gigantic and floating. But I mean, could I emerge within the city walls? Can like, you, if say, if I went 
from the material plane out to some other plane and then took a gate or whatever. Is there gates for me to enter the astral sea inside the city already? I yes, one hundred percent there will be. Yeah. However, those gates will be guarded by Gith uh Gith Yankee, who are not too fond of visitors. Yeah, they're not gonna let you. Yeah. Is, is the point. You, no, you you can you'll come in. They can't stop you from coming in. But you're never going back. Yeah, uh, I would say they're going to stop you because these are obviously the gateways they use to the prime material plane and the other planes. Yeah, so it's going to be fortified on the other side. Yeah, yeah that's right. it. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Um, but it's an infinite landscape, right? And and it's. Um, I have a complaint. Okay. This we have two nearly identical planes in fifth edition of infinite foggy landscapes. I mean, come on. We couldn't have done something different with the Astral Sea beyond... It's just the ethereal plane, right? It's the exact same thing. Well, the ethereal plane is a... Uh, it is a eternal, infinite, foggy landscape. <laughs> but it's, is it not also a shadow of the material plane? No, that's the shadow fell, right? Like, it, it, like there are bits and pieces of the material plane that have, like, duplicated and popped up. Think think of the Upside Down in, yeah. in Stranger Things. Yeah. Right? That, that's, it's also think of, um, of bits and pieces of, you know, when Frodo goes into the, um, yeah. goes into the, puts on the ring. What, yeah, he puts on the ring. Well, He's in the, 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 what is it, Shadow Wraith world or whatever it is. He, he ends up getting rotoscoped and he's running around. Gets what, sir? Rotoscoped. It's, I'll explain to you later. You're 18. I can tell you all about it afterwards. So <laughs> I'm 31, uh, but yeah, sure. <laughs> um, but the, the idea is that it would be like that, but, but there's a lot less in it. It's nondescript and fog as far as the eye can see. Um, I am, I'm done. I'm done with fog as far so, as the eye so can see. So I didn't imagine like that. I imagined the ethereal plane, like what you're saying, the upside down. But I imagine, uh, the astral sea as being closer to, but not exactly like, the whole uh, spoiler alert for Harry Potter, where he goes to see Dumbledore, and there's a little Voldemort. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah kind of like, well, like that. Um, so the way I view it is the ethereal plane is, sorry, the astral sea is the graveyard of the gods. The ethereal plane is the graveyard of mortals. Well, you know why they made the astral sea? Why the gods made the astral sea, right? Why? To, uh, like, this is from old, old, old edition. It was so that the different people from different planes weren't just like crashing into each other so the planes didn't border upon each other any longer there was a barrier in between and i mean i don't want to go into astral dreadnoughts we've got an upcoming episode that's why the world tree world tree model is it's clouds around everything yeah and even before that it was essentially like formless cloud between but the idea is that the gods created this this astral plane which is now the astral sea um, to give a barrier between realms, and they created astral dreadnoughts to stop even gods from passing from one realm to another easily. So, I, like, you're right, and that's why the, the Gith Yankee are the most brutal warrior race. They're the freaking Klingons of D&D, right? Because <laughs> only they can really live here. The and psychic wizard Klingons of D&D, yes. Yeah, but there's very few races or, or monsters that sit in the astral sea. Very few. You have... Um, other than your celestial or your fiendish uh, high-powered creature trying to avoid an astral dreadnought and move between planes, you have the Gith Yankee, you have astral dreadnoughts themselves and various other astral abominations that are kind of low-level twists of flesh. Like, I'm thinking kind of like Stephen Strange, like Doctor Strange level weird stuff going on. 
like weird graphics going on. Um, but other than that, you have like uh, Kotals and yeah, but it's 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 all planar beings at this point, but not elementals, just planar beings from from the outer realms, right, and from the far realms. So like the sorry, the outer planes and the far realms, and so there's it feels really empty. Right, right, and with the fog and the emptiness, like I'm having trouble coming up with, with the exception of the gith, and, with, and astral dreadnoughts. What are you putting in there? How is this an interesting thing to explore? In my mind, why does it seem flat? Like there's no hills, or yeah, yeah. right. And so, it, like you're just walking, and like Dan said, it's just this really thin, thin um, layer of water that you're just splashing along. I have a question. Yeah. If the astral sea is infinite, yet there is a city, where is that city and how do you navigate to it? It is at a fixed location in an infinite plans, uh, planescape and you have to... You Stop thinking about it. You cannot you, navigate no, no, to something if something is infinite. No, because you're thinking too hard about it. Navigation is based on finite limits, right? Yeah. Okay. All right. So, what you would need to know is multiple points within letter near each other. Yeah. And you'd be able to travel in and amongst them while it just keeps spreading to infinite. So it's by it's by that star cluster uh, next to that weirdly shaped nebula. I navigate by pubs and breweries, so that makes sense to me. Yeah. Which brewery is it near? I know where you live. And then eventually you just end up in a world of fog. It seems infinite. There's only one other race of people who call the astral plane their home. And this is a holdover from other editions as well. But it is the Qualm. And the Qualm are a race of healing people who uh, worshipped a god that was accidentally killed by Bahamut. When Bahamut was killing a primordial. Did he fly and then land on them? Because that's a good tactic. It is a great <laughs> tactic for dragons. I I hear that one gets brought up a lot. Twice. Um, three times. No, I avoided three it. times. No, it's three times. My White, dad. green, black. No, the third White, time. White, green, black. No, it was not black. The third time you two brought it up. No, because Megan was there. It was me, you, and Megan. Megan commented that you did a good job mentioning it. No, I deliberately yeah. White, did green, not. White, green, black. I'll fucking prove it to you, Dad. All right. Okay. All right. I got no what? Next case of beer for the next recording. My battle tactics with dragons are phenomenal. Your battle tactics for I'm dragons are the, the same game. with every single dragon. Why, why do we, why do oh my say? god, this is actually annoying me. No, it is not. <laughs> One, fuck off for a second. One was separate party members. Take the dragon and separate party members. One was pull them underground. And one was take them to the sky. We've done four, Terry. The other one was land on them. <laughs> No, the other one was uh, counterattacks. Blue look, dragons. Look, look, look. There's only so many things you can do with dragons. Don't be upset because you're using one effective tactic over and over again. I know you're doing other things as well, but Dan just keeps making gnomes. All right, so you're still a step up <laughs> hey, on that shit. Hey, and half orcs. Anyways, back to the astral sea. <laughs> Anyways, so the Qualm are a race I'm of healing-based, uh, like clerical people, uh, life-based clerical people who. Uh, worshipped this deity named Lakal, who was killed by Bahamut when Bahamut was killing a primordial and attacking primordial. And uh, they changed their way of thinking. Uh, so what they do is they travel the Astral Sea looking for moats of Lakal. And these moats can be small enough to ingest. And no matter what, they don't care if you're living, if you're if you got a big chunk, they don't care what level of power you have. Their sole focus is to collect these motes of Lakal 
And they think that once they collect every last atom of the destroyed god Lakal, he will be resurrected and they will have their society once so again. So they're going to attack anybody with anybody they have for no, any reason. They have no qualms about it. They have no qualms about it. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so, trying to get it in, but I uh, but th- but this isn't fifth ed, right? Like this is previous editions. Uh, this this is briefly mentioned in um, previous editions, but it is held over um, in um, like some stuff in fourth edition. They were even mentioned, so it's it's previous editions, but it's close, right? I, I would still put them in there because, like you said, it's a vast landscape of nothingness and needs some populace well okay well the other thing that's in here though is the colored pools do you talk about the so the other thing because the uh, astral sea is that um it's that transitory plane between planes um uh the way you jump between planes is by finding these different colored pools and these different colors um lead to different locations based on the color um, and there's a chart you can look up. There's yeah, there's a, there's, there's an old chart, and so every different plane has a different color pool, and you know when you see it, like when you when you see a pool, which plane it goes to, mm-hmm. but you don't know necessarily which level of the nine hells this one leads to. Yeah, because there'll be or many where on Avernus that one level is going to lead yeah, to, it, right? But um, the plane that you come from. If you are astral projecting, no matter what plane you're in, the plane you come from always looks like uh, like silvery, like like uh, liquid mercury. Right? Yeah. So exactly. Yeah. Um, and if you go into these pools, if you jump into these pools, you even if you're astral projecting, you appear at that level, and your possessions, your physical self, because when you're astral projecting, your physical self stays, and your mind is projected in. Um, if you go into these pools, even your physical stuff will go with you to that location. But you can't. Like, you said earlier about your your intelligence modifier. If it's high enough, it lets you fly and stuff. I've Which seen, is a holdover from previous. Uh, yeah, missions. I've seen mechanics where you can only really move and attack based on your intelligence modifier, or your physical stats and your mental stats flip. And so, like, you're, you're in order is to do dex attacks. or physically being there? Uh, both, right? Because yeah. all the rules are different. In second edition, they had huge charts about all the different rules, depending on which plane you're in, how the all the different rules are. are yeah. Like, for example, if you are a good aligned character, you can only cast first level spells in the Nine Hell. Even if you're level 18, because fuck you, you're in the Nine Hells. Yeah. Right? Because, and that's how it used to be. And so a lot of this stuff is, is holdover. Right, mm-hmm. so um, it's weird to me that people are just kind of wandering around in the fog, looking for colored pools in this really thin, um, like watery landscape, and there's, and there's no one around. Like I don't think you're getting an echo even when you're yelling out, and then all of a sudden, the gith are there, and yeah, you're, and you're fucked, right? But it's it's a very strange place. I have trouble coming up with encounters beyond a one shot or a quick little travel in between, mm-hmm. right? Like, how do you how do you build entire campaigns? And we'll talk about this later. Well, but, yeah, yeah, we'll definitely talk about that later. I've got a couple ideas because uh, you do have to you you have to play with the gif if you're going to do a campaign based off the Astral Sea. They're one and the same at this point, and specifically the gif Yankee, the gif Zerai are not based in the Astral Sea. They are based in Limbo. They buggered off when the Gith Yankee and them hit their civil war. Yeah. So, um, and uh, we'll talk a little bit more about the Gith later because they're one of my it's favorite races. Gith, then. 
<laughs> no, it's not. And they're one of my favorite races in Dungeons and Dragons. Like I've 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 always loved the Gith. So, um, make and more, I've said that in previous. Make podcasts. more Gith characters on this podcast. Then I don't. Are they? They're not a playable race. They right? are a playable race. There are yeah, rules yeah. to become a playable race of Gith within uh, Mordenkainen's Tome okay. of Foes. There are there are rules to become. However. I am super reticent to bring psionics in any Dungeons and Dragons game. Oh, that just blows everything wide open. Right? Even playing a great old one warlock where you get telepathy within 30 feet is a bit too much to handle, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, So, Gith, Zerai, and Gith Yankee both get innate psionic abilities with them. So, you gotta be careful if you're running them in your games. But they're perfectly legal to play. But anyway, so I've got a question for you guys. We've talked about it as the infinite, infinite landscape of nothingness. It's a bit of a um, like blank canvas to do. So um, what is the one thing in the infinite landscape, uh, in all your research you guys have done, was the one thing about the astral sea or astral plane that really caught your interest and why? So let's mm-hmm. grab our dice. Let's give it a roll. Oh, I'm going first. 14. I got a 13. I got an 11. Yes! So, T-Dog, what you got? Okay. Um, or was it Trizza? It was Trizza. Right. What, like a Wu-Tang Clan? Yeah, that's what... Ca- I I'm, calling back our, I'm, I'm, I'm calling back our rap names from, like, mm-hmm. episode four. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I was reading about Enhanced Magic um, in the Astral Sea. Okay. And, uh, and uh, the amount of time that it takes to cast a spell is reduced. And so I thought as a DM, I would probably rule that, that say like a one hour casting time would be down to 10 minutes, 10 minutes down to one minute, an action down to a bonus action. Uh, and I thought uh, that is really going to step up in countless. If you do find yourself in combat within the Astral Sea, and now all of a sudden everything is becoming bonus actions to do, oh, I um, love that. it's just going to be like mega spells. That would be included boom, boom, boom. to all of the things you're fighting as well. And mm-hmm. when you remember that Gith Yankee are a arcane focused race... If you're casting spells in combat in the Astral Sea, it's not going to go well for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, I love that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Adam, what you got? Okay. My favorite thing doing the research was the time dilation factor. Yeah. I talked about this in the Feywild episode, too. I, I really like the idea of the, uh, the idea that 1,000 years in the Astral Sea it feels like a single day in the real world. So if you Astral Project, you can, in theory, live lifetimes eons in there and gain supreme knowledges in a span of a week in real time and i think that a lot of like like high powered like heavy hitter wizards probably have right they probably have spent eons and 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 beyond millennia in the the astral and then there's a just hard asterisk to this right so the idea is you also can't you don't need to eat sleep or or drink but you also don't really age either and that's a real problem for the Gith. And that's why they, the Gith Yankee, they don't reproduce on the astral plane because they can't grow old. They actually have to uh, go out to uh, other planes and make little strongholds there. And then that's where they raise their children up to maturity. And then they've got to, in order to be accepted back into the astral sea, you got to kill the mind flayer. And then you're good enough to go this back. This is like 300 Spartan level shit. Like, oh, 100%. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And like the Gith give birth to eggs. And the second that like Gith yeah. are reproduced by eggs, the second there are eggs in a campaign, okay, now you're carrying around a Gith egg. And this is a, this is a campaign idea. And you idea. think it's a dragon egg. Yeah. 
Oh, because there's also oh, more man. stuff with dragons imagine? and gith as well. Yeah, so like I love the idea of the fact that you could stumble upon the the, the quote unquote future barracks, mm-hmm. right? And then they've got these entire generations of armies that are just in egg form sitting in a warehouse in the astral sea. Oh, that was the question we were at. We before Adam got here, we were discussing the what? dragons. What they get the crash. <laughs> oh yeah, hey, yeah, we that would like, make sense. That makes sense. Okay, so we're reading um, on it, and they say that uh, dragons and Gith have a very unique relationship, uh, based off the lore. Gith, capital G Gith, the cre- the person, original, who, yeah. the original Gith. Yeah, the the race of the Gith are named after this hero who is the one who is seen as liberating the Gith from their slavery of yeah. eons to the Illithid. So they named themselves Gith after capital G Gith. Gith went down to the Nine Hells to make a deal with Tiamat for some help in their war against the Illithids. Gith never came back from this journey, yeah. but a uh, ancient white, uh, sorry, ancient red dragon named Ephelamon came up and said, um, "We're here for you. We're going to help you in any way, shape, or form. Um, and and the hell you could even ride us, but hot, <laughs> but." There's going to be some workarounds here. So, um, one of the ways that this little alliance that the Gith Yankee and the and Red Dragons have in uh, place, one of the little things about it is, um, Red Dragons will guard these material plane outposts for the Gith to raise their young. So you have these massive obsidian structures littered in the landscape in in the, in the material landscape plane. even. Well. And the planescape, but they prefer the material plane for this. Um, they raise their young, and uh, the dragons will sit there and protect them. Uh, some dragons will even use this time to age before they go back to the uh, astral sea and live their nice long life in the astral sea, mm. right? But the gith, like diving into these color pools that we mentioned before, these astral these astral pools. To raid for slaves, but also for treasure and for suitable locations to set up more of these. Uh, what was the word? Crash, like crash, French yeah, word crash, which is like, but, but like young people, like looking at the young people, like a daycare is how we use it now. But we were reading about it, and I was like, why? Would they, but that to me, why would they like, use crash? Dan was like, what does that word mean? I was like, it's like a daycare. <laughs> I don't understand. But then when I raised it, because you started talking about the place where they hold their eggs. And yeah, I, was I like, mean, that there just makes, you go. That makes a lot of sense to me. And then, yeah. and then they raise armies at a time. Like, a legion is raised here over over 18 years. But, of course, in the in the Astral Sea, that's 18,000 years, yep. as far as they've been able to tell, right? So, all of a sudden, every, like, thousands of years, a new generation's worth of warriors shows up. And I can also imagine, like... 10,000 of these guys being raised and protected by a red dragon just raiding the Underdark and Mm -hmm. wiping out like entire illithid Mm -hmm. civilizations right and then the ones that got a confirmed kill get to move on to the Astral Sea to essentially live immortally for like the rest of their days except for raiding other yes and no because this is specifically a Githyanki and uh, there is uh a higher paradise. So they view the Astral Sea as paradise. Um, and they raid other places to bring more treasures to paradise, which is the Astral Sea. Yeah. But 
if you are an exceptional wizard in the Githyanki society or you're an exceptional warrior in the Githyanki society, Vlakith, who's the queen, the god queen, she's a arch-lich Githyanki uh, wizard, um, she will bring you to Gith's higher paradise, which uh, you are then separated from your family and brought into this back room where she sucks all of your life and... Uh, knowledge and prowess out of you and absorbs it into herself and you die and now you get to live on as an aspect of Vlaketh's power. That's really, really, really similar to what the drow high priestesses do. Very similar, yeah. But where where is it done? Because you said back room, but it's not the janitor closet that couples as a staff break room. Like, no, where no, it? no. It's, 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 like a fa- it's like a Fantasyland hotel. Yeah. Right? Like, you're sat on a rotating bed, right? Like, it's... <laughs> but, yeah, but this is a place, like, no gift go to until they hit this level of expertise and then each person is revered. You know, they've gone to the better paradise and this is a goal for all gift to go because they don't know that Vlakith does this to them. I absolutely love the idea of there not even being that. It's, she's just like... It's just a just a pit. It's just a pit to the abyss. Yeah. It's, like, oh, it's just through this room and shove, right? And like, and that's one more. That he's become a part of me, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> but there's, there's... Oh, the idea that nobody knows that she does this apart from the guard that works a shift outside, which clearly hears the screams. Ah! And just has to. I don't hear a thing. Are you really good, God? I am so average. You wouldn't even want me. You yeah. wouldn't want me. I'm good working this shift. He's, but, like, he's like the only deaf guard in the entire area. <laughs> yeah. But the thing is, when what? she does this, she's absorbing all their knowledge and everything. Um, so she is said to have the power of an entire court of archmages just within herself, just in terms of arcane power. And that her... Uh, skill with the sword with a blade with one of the silver swords that the githyanki are known for is equivalent to a hundred swords masters like this badass lady who sits on a throne made of mind flayer parts the cushion being a cured elder brain um who holds behind her with this level of power um is just slowly siphoning it off her own people for eons and she's just growing in power and power and power and power. So, Adam, you briefly mentioned the, uh, you could just, there's no, time doesn't progress in the yeah. Astral Sea. If you spend a thousand years in the Astral Sea and then go back to your body, what happens? Uh, nothing. You live today. No. Not at all. What your body ages in high speed and you die. Really? Yeah. So if you are gone for a thousand years, you're a normal human wizard, you're gone for a thousand years, in the Astral Sea, you become this massive, you know... Uh, is this physically being there or projecting or both? Uh, no, no, this is projecting. This is projecting. Okay. Yeah, you spend a thousand years in there. You come back to your body and your age catches up with you physically. You'll come into your 26-year-old wizard self and you will be a pile of dust within a matter of moments. All right, but if you physically go there. If you physically go there, there's a little bit more. And remember, the Astral Sea is a transitive A little plane. more what? You didn't finish that sentence. There's a little bit more. Uh, there's a little bit more to it than that, right? Like uh, The Astral Sea is a transitive plane. So, yes, if you go in, you can live thousands upon thousands of years in the Astral Sea. Um, 
but you are going to be using the Astral Sea as a transitive plane. You're going from plane to plane with the Astral Yeah, but you can choose not to. I mean, obviously, because the Gith choose not to, right? Yeah. Like, you can just choose to hang out. I'm Between Orange Pool and Purple Pool, that's where I'm going to live. Yeah. I'm building a shack. But if I physically go in, when I physically leave, does my body... Super age, hyper age? No, you just no. you just walk out. So you can Chilling. go. You can just go do all Only of your Only if you project in is when it happens. Yeah. Okay. Well, well, you think of it like all of these uh, gith who have lived for centuries and eons on uh, to Naraf, If they then go again to the material plane for a raid, they would age rapidly and die. But say if you were married, you're a gith couple, and one leaves to go on a raid, you're basically never going to see them again for like. Well, a thousand years if they're gone. That that, that, for that a is perfectly fine because I don't think one. I don't think the gift marry. Um, I read nothing about it. They ha- they they live for Vlakith. They live to revere and serve their queen. Full stop. That is what the Gith Yankee do. So, anyways, we're spending a lot of time on the Gith Yankee. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like the Gith is just one side of the of the the trifecta that is Drow, Gith. And Shatterkai, or you just have this dark race of you know, of super warriors with like a, that all follow one female super leader. Yeah, and they this and, is definitely a game made by nerds. Oh right, and like <laughs> just worship her. <laughs> they, they all look like Elvira because it was made in the eighties, yeah, right? Exactly. Um, but uh, but <laughs> nobody knows that. There, there's her. a picture of Lockheath, and no, 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 no. She is an archlich. She is like a decayed. Gith sitting on a throne of mind flare goo, like there, there's nothing Elvira esque about her. Uh, at okay, all. all right. So I guess the Gith was your answer, Dan, because I oh I, I fucking I love the time Gith. dilation. Yeah, no, um, I I've mentioned in previous episodes, like the Gith are my favorite race in the game. Um, so both weird. both Gith Yankee and Gith Zerai, I just have always been fascinated by them as a, as a. Uh, uh, race, and I mean, you could play them now, and I'm just waiting for the table that'll let me play a Gith. So. Yeah. Anyways, uh, we are going to move on from uh, here to uh, our next topic shortly. But before we get to that, let's hit a commercial. Are you interested in advertising or becoming a sponsor on our show? Email us at info at itsamimic.com. Okay, welcome back to the podcast. We are going to be uh, now moving on to kind of what lives and what uh, happens and what kind of encounters you could see within the Astral Sea itself. So, uh Really brief, guys. What do we got here? We got astral dreadnoughts, which uh, are these monstrous they're, things. They're gargantuan creatures that can innately, naturally sever that that silver cord coming out the back of your head. Yeah, and they're just a pool of hit points. They do a bunch of nasty shit. Oh, they're they're absolutely terrifying and huge. And then a whole lot of abominations, by my understanding. A whole hell of a lot of abominations. The astral sea is where reality. You mean to- aberrations? Aberrations, yeah. What did I say? Abominations? I meant to say aberrations. And so did you. Why not? Oh, if somebody abominable was, snowman if as yeah. well. Somebody but, was gonna fuck it up was gonna be me, so that's uh, fine. Yeah. Um The Astral Sea is where reality went to die. So uh things just get really, really warped and twisted here. You're gonna be getting a lot of uh like uh there uh, these creatures called ast- astral devourers which basically look like dogs with no head and just a big open mouth where their head should be what book is that in uh it's one of the previous holdovers um astral devourers there's uh any uh list of 
if you could, this is your freedom DMs to be weird and make up your own monsters within this space as well. There's GIF, there's Qualm, uh, which are holdovers as well. Um, there's uh, I mean, airships not, and it, stuff. It's not inconceivable here. to find a beholder wandering around in here as well. Not right? at all. Um, you're going to be finding, uh, like we mentioned earlier, that you, you could come across high-level celestials, high-level dragons, high-level fiends, uh, beholders, and... But we are talking high-level. Don't send a level two party in. They're going to die. Yeah. Un- unless you were just trying to give them like a meeting with some sort of celestial being. That meeting could take place in the Astral Sea, then get the fuck out, right? That level stuff. So um, there's also, in terms of just environmental hazards, there are these colored pools which could spawn under your party as you're walking along. Are they chaotic? Do they spawn and close and open? Everything about the Astral Sea is very chaotic. Mm -hmm. Um, There are large dead bodies of gods that have formed these floating islands and there are inhabitants possibly of those floating islands. One of these people who decided to just go to the Astral Sea one day and stay and form a society there. These kind of things do exist and they're not very well detailed except for uh, uh, the Gith Yankee City. So DMs, here's some freedom for you to play there as well. Um, So other than that, there's not a whole hell of a lot (laughs) Um, there's, it, it's kind of starscapey as well. And so there's, there's these large astral galleons, which these large astral sails, which collect, uh, chaos stuff and, uh, dream energy to, pro- and astral energy to propel, propel themselves through the astral sea. And these are usually, uh, gifted by the gods who created these things. Um, and if someone takes them over, some of them, takes them if if you take them over the god goes okay well that's yours now and leaves i feel like there's so much potential to do something great with the astral sea i think it's because it's infinite that you don't know where to start or or also how to answer those questions of well if we did make something amazing and big and huge why would that even be there it's infinite there's no reason that it would be this particular area you know what i think is really interesting is is dan's talking about how this is where the, the gods went to die Right, like the, it's the the god graveyard essentially. Yeah. How many gods didn't make it from previous editions? Hundreds, Hundreds. right? Like so many. What if they were just walking around in the astral sea? Like, what if this is just where all of the the gods are no longer worshipped? Mm-hmm. They are depowered because they don't have worshippers. Yeah. And now they're hanging out here, and the only worshipper is obviously the DM because he remembered them and brought them back. Yeah. <laughs> right, but. Oh, Dan's got a look on his face like a monkey that just... Is Paylor part of stock Dungeons & Dragons uh, pantheon? He used to be. He used to be. He's 3.5, right? Yeah. All right, because he's name-dropped straight up in uh, Mordenkainen's when talking about uh, these boats and astral dreadnoughts and various other things like that. Yeah, I mean... Right, so this, this would fit, right? If if Paylor is getting name-dropped in the 5th edition book when talking about the Astral Sea, there's no reason why Paylor can't be walking along through the... Um, Adam's reaching for a book. Through the Astral Sea. There's no reason why... Uh, Bokob can't be walking through instead, or Nethys, uh, or hell, pull from the Pathfinder deities as well because Pathfinder is close enough to Dungeons and Dragons. Boo! So, Boo! Serenray, or, or Boo! Serenray, sorry. Uh, <laughs> is, it's, is it not Pelor? 
Okay, so what's what's Pelor, in, Pelor. What, no. what, what's interesting here is that at the back of the player's handbook, you have entire lists. You have deities of the Forgotten Realms, and remember that's where Fifth Edition is. But you also have tables for deities of Greyhawk, deities of Dragonlance, deities of Eberron, and then non-human deities. So I mean, like Bahamut and Garl Glittergold are still technically available. Lip, lip, lip. Yeah. Um, the god of uh, the Kotoa. Kotoa. But there are things like the Dark Six, right? Which is a deity of, of, of Eberron. There are six evil gods here. The Devourer, the Fury, the Keeper, the Mockery, the Shadow, and the Traveler. That sounds like some Astral Sea level shit right there. Yeah. Oh right? yeah, 100%. So, I mean, I, I have no problem grabbing even the Norse gods, right? Or the Celtic gods. <sighs> yeah. Like, pick, pick something and drop them in here. Walk along and all of a sudden there's Zeus... Yeah. <laughs> Probably shagging somebody again. <laughs> Is that a goose? No, it's Zeus. <laughs> Dropping a deuce. With with oh uh with uh Bruce? Or a Meduse. Uh, uh you could have gone with just goose. No no, he was already a goose. Who's a goose? Zeus. The goose? Yeah. No, he's a moose. I was just gonna say that Right next to the boose? Canada, nobody said moose. <laughs> anyway. Back of the train, he's in the caboose. Stop. Let's it's, go. It's a little loose. <laughs> Alright, okay, okay. Bruce. <laughs> Love it. Okay, gentlemen, grab your dice. I want to ask you... Oh, it didn't say roll yet. Well, I want to ask you guys, what's one weird encounter you could throw in for the Astral Sea, for a party that is astral projecting in? Because let's be completely honest, nine times out of ten, your party's astral projecting here. Mm-hmm. You're not coming in here physically. Okay. It's all, it's a lot harder to come in here physically okay. than it is to just astral project it. But before we get there, can I just give a breakdown of what astral projection the spell is? Yeah, sure. Because yeah, yeah, it's pretty like tied to the astral sea, right? Mm-hmm. Um, astral projection. Ninth level necromancy. So... I mean, at low levels, you're looking for a necromancer to help you do this. Or probably some sort of weird woman or wise man or something, right? So, some sort of weird woman. <laughs> yeah, like from freaking... Like a cat lady? <laughs> Close enough, Terry. You know what? I'm just going to say yes. Yeah, we're just... Yeah. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> um, so, you and up to eight willing creatures within range project your astral bodies into the astral plane. The spell fails and the casting is wasted if you already if you're already on that plane. Who's astral projecting from the astral plane? <laughs> it's Inception. <laughs> well, the amount of times I get my words mixed up, I would try and do something to the ethereal plane or something. Uh, the material <laughs> body you leave behind is unconscious and in a state of suspended animation. It doesn't need food or air and doesn't age. If I'm planning on spending a significant amount of time and I don't want to die, I'm just going to ask somebody to put me in an iron box and drop me into a lake so that Dan doesn't come by and draw fucking dicks on my head while I'm asleep. <laughs> I would never. <laughs> you come back in an iron box in a lake. Well, they're timing it. You've got somebody with a stopwatch. Uh, Your astral body resembles your mortal form in almost every way, replicating your game stats and possessions. The principal difference is the addition of a silvery cord that extends from between your shoulder blades and trails behind you, fading to invisibility after one foot. This cord is your tether to the material body. As long as the tether remains intact, you can find your way home if the cord is cut. Something that can happen only when an effect specifically states that it does. Your soul and body are separated, killing you instantly. I have a question. So, the Githyanki have silver swords that can cut these threads, right? Yep. 
does it have to be a Gith silver sword, or can you go from your werewolf campaign yeah. into the Astral Sea and use a silver sword? No, it has to be a Gith silver sword. What Why? is it about the Gith silver sword? Because they're silver swords by name, not by material. The Okay. The, the, it is like this liquid metal material that their swords are made out of. It's um, unobtainium? You and I have had this discussion. I've told you never to reference that. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm not sorry. <laughs> The blue tabaxi movie was real. Oh, they really were blue tabaxis, eh? The Navi? The what? The Navi. Avatar, Terry. Oh. Airbenders, I think. <laughs> were they? Yeah. No, yeah. no, no, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Continue, Adam. Well, no, there's only... No, sorry. You guys laughed because I made a mistake. There's only one airbender. Carry on. All right, so there's uh, a whole bunch of different ways, like different bits and pieces about this spell. It goes on and on and on. Um, if you are killed, like you drop to zero hit points, you get whooshed back into your body, um, assuming that you are astral projecting. Okay, you as long as you're not killed by the severing of that cord. That's right. But you go back to your body, and you end up in a coma, and you have to be woken. Um, it someone can cast dispel magic upon your body, and that'll bring you back. Um, also, see coma. Um, and, uh, <laughs> right? <laughs> I just feel like the, the email is RE colon coma. If you cast a spell magic on a body there, that is astral projecting, will they return to the body? I don't think so. Hmm. No, it's the body that has it cast upon them, right? Think about where it's cast at that time. Yeah. And this is an effect of it, right? Uh, um, so if, if you come across like, a dude and his eight buddies sitting in a circle. All of their eyes are rolled back in their head and they're sitting, you know, all holding hands. And all of them have blank expressions on their face. And you I'm just, pulling out a Sharpie. And well, <laughs> and you cast a spell magic on one of those guys. They pop out. Well, one of them does. Yeah. 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 Okay. So um, if you return to your body prematurely, uh, your companions remain in their astral forms and must find their own way back to their bodies. Usually by dropping to zero hit points. Says that right in the spell. <laughs> so, like, I, I really like this. This feels like like a good way to get information. I feel like this is a really cool way to find someone that... I, I would send someone... All right, you know what? You asked the question and I'm getting ahead of myself. No, no, go ahead. I feel like, like this is a really good way to be like, hey, we need to find out what the bad guy's doing. He's got all of these protections, so no scrying, and he doesn't let anybody in or out. But there's one wizard powerful enough to do it, but he lives on the astral see we need to go talk to him we're level four astral project so we don't die yeah right because if you die while there you just die right if your body is killed while you are projecting then um a couple of minutes go by and then your spirit your, your projected form dies as well do you um know before you die that your body's been killed like do you have a little jolt or something like oh shit i, I, got I two give it to you i got two minutes I would have you like slowly start to, to fade away, like Back to the Future style. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Turn to your player and be like, your speed's now 25 feet. Your speed's now 15 feet. And as they slow down and everything's a little bit more sluggish, like, just make an attack. Just give them one extra level of exhaustion at random. Yeah. Until all of a sudden they're doing nothing but standing there staring at the pool of water going, I don't feel so good. Oh. D hey, don't. <laughs> no. We, no. You, you don't make that joke. <laughs> He just he collapses to his knees, looks up, and goes, "Mr. Stark, you don't make that." Joke. <laughs> uh, that was awful. That was awful, man. 
I'm not, awfully funny. And I don't even like Spider-Man. Go on, Dan. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not engaging you when you mispronounce things like that. Anyways, so Bob Spider-Man, how are you? <laughs> He's a used car salesman, Bob Spider-Man. Okay, guys. Hey, Bob Spider-Man! <laughs> you and your party are astro-projecting into the astral sea, and an encounter happens. Let's grab our dice, let's roll it. Tell me what that encounter is. I got a 14. 14, 13, and you got a botch, Adam, because you suck. Oh, no, my 14 has been changed to what the hell a is this? A four, now? that's a four. A four. Dan, Dan cheated. I hate your dice. As per usual. I don't well, it's well Dan hit mine. Dan hit mine as well. Not and mine. One. Yeah. Fuck yeah. you, Dan. I, I don't feel any sort of regret. Um, so, let me guess. You meet a gnome. No. An astral gnome. That sounds interesting. Okay, do your thing. Okay. You stupid fucking gnome <laughs> shit. <laughs> no, um, honestly, I love the idea of stumbling upon some aged wizard. Like, stumbling upon some aged wizard or some even, like, barbarian who got stuck here accidentally, found a little spot on one of these floating rocks, and has just, over the years, generated uh, knowledge from the people he interacts with and is trying to get out. But he's a barbarian. He's not that smart. So he's just sitting on his rock, floating through the Astral Sea, bored out of his mind. He's carved this thing into a replica of his own face. And it's just floating around the Astral Sea. And occasionally, as a party, you come upon him and he drops down. Not a, It's not a battle because he's probably tired by now. Um, and he just sits there and wants information on how to get out. And your party's projecting in. You guys don't really know. And it's a little uh, encounter back and forth where he might be able to lead you where you need to go. But he's going to want something from you, some sort of information to get back. Maybe it's even so far as news of what the world looks like now because he's from, you know, a long dead country. I really like that, especially if you're going to do like a planes hopping campaign. Yeah. And so this happens really early and you teach him, oh, go into this pool over there. It's like, oh, I thought that was magic and I had to avoid them. I, you mean I had to jump into the teal pool over there and it would take me to. But he doesn't know what any of the colors mean. And so every time that you're in a new plane, he's in that plane and he's just like slowly getting more battle scarred from his plane yeah. hopping adventures as well. It's like, fuck it, I'm going back to the Astral Sea to heal up. And he goes back and gets a long rest. He's like, all right, orange. But the, <laughs> the, right? the big plot twist, the big plot twist was that he was colorblind the whole time. <laughs> yeah, fucking go. it up. You got to go on the blue one. That one? No, that's yeah. green. Or imagine like communicating through some sort of magic D&D radio type device. Go in the blue one. There's like a teal one. Or blue even, one. Or like even you one. finally, after like months of playing this campaign where you're astral projecting in and talking to the same guy, you keep on running into him. You finally get him out into the material plane. And he's an NPC that goes along with your with your party and is indebted to your party for getting him free. And now you have a high-level barbarian that is just walking along and has got this kind of weird uh, twist to him because he's been stuck in the Astral Sea for eons. He's kept himself from going insane by telling himself stories about all his previous battles. Every once in a while, he'll just lapse into a story. Just He gets bored. Long time ago, I was fighting with the right... And just, and I, he's not good at it either. And I hit him, and then I hit him again. <laughs> the third time I hit him, I hit him from behind. Now bear in mind, as I previously stated, 
I've already hit him twice. <laughs> <laughs> Just like the worst storyteller. I love this guy more and more. Oh my god, I like this guy. I like the idea of him being almost like 1996 Jumanji, like when Robin Williams. Oh comes yes, 100. percent What year is it? <laughs> His beard just got so big, but he's just fucked. He just can't wait to just eat, I don't know, whatever <laughs> Americans eat. Cheeseburgers. Oh, Snickers. Something with cheese on. Deep deep fried chocolate. Guns. Guns. <laughs> <laughs> They've just given up and just started eating guns straight out now. Right? <laughs> oh, God. Sorry, I derailed that whole thing. No worries, it's your turn next. Uh, oh, an encounter for me. Um, I like the idea of transfer of technology. I think uh, a way of advancing um, through a plot, uh, advancing a low-level party to their next sort of uh, uh, next kind of well, level uh, is they're going. They'd have encounters with uh, with the Githyanki and see their airships, see their fancy swords, learn things from them, uh, and then swap secrets with them um, to get that technology or, or, or that those magical capabilities. I like doing things in the story as best I can to justify leveling, to justify an advancement, instead of just going, oh, you wake up and now you can do this spell. But yesterday you couldn't. You know, I like uh, I like to tie it into... You like to have a reason for yep. leveling. Because yeah. it keeps me immersed in the world, right? Where it's, uh, it's real. I think uh, last time, I, I can't remember what we were talking about last time, uh, but I was talking about... Um, what the hell are we talking about? What I was saying... To, oh, dragons yeah. teaching you things. Blue, blue dragons. Blue yeah. dragons teaching you things. Yeah, that kind of idea. Mm-hmm. Cool. Adam, what you got? I want to look at the exploratory factor. My least favorite thing about the astral plane is that there's nothing about the heavens, the cosmos, or the stars. Right. And I feel like the fucking needs to be because it's the astral goddamn sea. Yeah. Right? It should be the sea of stars. It should... Like, I don't like the fog because I want it to be the entire ground. First, I'm getting rid of the fog. Fuck that noise. Fuck get the fog out. I don't even need it. That sounded better than I wanted <laughs> yeah, to. That's yeah. not even what I meant. Ah, but after forget I said about it. it. After yeah. I said it, it was amazing. All right, so... Without a t-shirt. <laughs> so, the idea of of being able to see the entire sea, like, you, you, you can visually perceive it in... For, kilometers or miles if you're American um, in every direction get better America Come but on. <laughs> but it's like a a glass like it's a mirror of mm-hmm. the infinite starscape above you right and you only know you're going in the right direction when the constellations above you start to shift and look like you and things things like that is the kind of weird exploratory uh, Matt Coville does a thing where if you are looking down all the constellations are the same as on your world but they're backwards so you have to navigate by looking down to see the mirror image I love oh that. i love that i like, love it that's that's the kind of cool stuff that i want from the astral sea i like the idea of of the this one centimeter or uh what is a 40 percent of an inch america if if you are like on this do they this use very... percentage because that's metric <laughs> <laughs> Do they, they, they uh, but per per inch, I don't know what imperial uh, percentage would be. Just like still a percentage, just it's a weird fucking percentage. Per one hundred thirty-two, just yeah, it's it's one sixteenth. Yeah, um, but <laughs> something. <laughs> but uh, but I like the idea of this very thin layer of water. But an astral dreadnought exists in a space beneath it, and when it comes up, like it swims beneath the water, and when it rises, you see the water bulge and get bigger and bigger, like a hill is appearing and the water is going up and over this hill and it's still submerged as the hill gets bigger and bigger and then suddenly the water breaks and then all of the water comes like raining down and there's an astral dreadnought mm. this gargantuan creature in front of you right with his lobster oh, hands I like the idea yeah. of um, you know we always give clues before something happens yeah just it's infinite you can't see anything for miles and then just a ripple 
Yeah. Just comes. Yeah, like I think that that's that's imagine a rogue wave in this on the astral sea. <laughs> right? And what how is, terrifying that would be. What is behind that? Yeah. Right? What is coming? And like I think that's that's a lot of fun, but as far as like a combat encounter goes, the the Mind Flayer raiding party out for revenge against the Gith and they want nothing to do with you except do you know where the Gith are? And we'll make it worth your while. Even though you're astral projecting, they will still be able to give you spells or tell you where you want to go or maybe give you the information because they've like eaten the mind of someone else that has this, right? Yeah. And so they're able to give you this. And, and so you are, are having to deal with mind flayers that they can't kill you. They can only send you back, right? So they know that they don't really hold anything over you except mild inconvenience. You know, you'll have to wait 24 hours and do it again, right? Uh, but. But you need something from them, they need something from you, and you're dealing with freaking mind flayers. That's at level three. I love it. Yeah. Right? Like, you can really hit the party with these these high-level creatures. I wouldn't go angels or devils. I know you can, but I wouldn't. I would There's go... There's so many other places you could run into them. If, if I'm going to go angels, I'm going to go, like, biblical angels, where it the entire angel is a is just a sphere with six baby heads on it and 15 wings and it's on fire and it comes down and talks to you, but backwards, but you still understand it. Right. And it is the voice of a God, but and you should just know which one. Right. And that's it. Like it should be, um, you guys ever see gravity falls? No. Mm-hmm. Did you? Yeah. yeah I've then, seen a few. Yeah. Um, you should watch it in order. It's actually one of the best cartoon, like children cartoons that just gets, Wrong. Wrong and weird and very heavy. Hello. Um, yeah. Uh, not like that, Terry. No. Um, but Still a children's cartoon. <laughs> but I, I just like the idea of there being like pyramids floating in the sky. Right? And there are these massive pyramids that you're walking under. And as they get closer and closer and closer, they don't get any bigger. They stay the same size until they're a pyramid that you can hold in your hand. And then the creatures step out from the pyramid, all tiny, like the size of ants. And they start speaking to you in deep, booming voices. And it should just be weird shit like that all of the time. Yeah. Right? And so that's kind of what I'm looking for. You guys just keep doing that and it weirds me out. (laughs) But I I like... Astral Sea is a series of Dan's face and Terry's face just agreeing. Just kissing. Just kissing. That's a different dreamscape. (laughs) And just yours, I'm fairly certain. Come play with us, Adam. Come play. (laughs) Rackham is so happy right now. (laughs) I was talking to her today. She's on form as always. <laughs> but um, but yeah, I guess that's my answers. I want to see the weird exploratory factors where you've got to figure out what this new landscape means, right? And I think that the fog is a disservice to it. No, I I, I agree. It, it needs to have some like um, like interstellar uh, the Matthew McConaughey movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like yeah. weird visuals where like the long empty planescape. Uh, with the sky reflected, and you could see for like, I think the silvery mist does do. I would a maybe have the service. silvery mist there as uh, something that represents that you've just entered the sea, but it kind of dissipates after a it's while. It's like a yeah. curtain. Yeah, yeah, it's, just, yeah. Pff, it's a summoning sickness. Yeah. But, Why not? Yeah. Uh, okay, so here's something. You know, there's all these colored pools of water stuff that you see. Now imagine one's bubbling. What does that mean? Yeah. Now imagine that that like really thin blue line, that vertical line that you see coming out, as you get closer and closer and closer, it is a upside down waterfall. Yeah. Just shooting up into the heavens, right? Like that kind of stuff. You're walking along the astral sea, you hear clinking and whatnot next to you. You turn to see a small, pale skinned with like gnome. almost a gnome with 
like the constellations within his eyes and he walks up drops a little table in front of you and ex- uh, expands his wares I've already in front killed of you. him I've already no, no, killed no. him expands his wares in front of you which are jars of colored fluid that you could buy off of him for I'm with it except one, he's a dwarf one measly little price of uh, just I'll take one sixteenth of your soul uh, yeah you know what I, I like that but but his wares are just the deck of many things hmm <laughs> And if you pull the, oh, my soul got got stuck in another plane and my body is still here, you just got to go find that, that like, you're already halfway there. Yeah. You're in the Astral Sea. Go rescue that guy. I like the idea of he <coughs> knows what order the cards are in. You select one. You roll an insight check to see how he reacts to your selection. There we go. And then he gives you the opportunity to change your mind yeah, based, off you of what you, based off of what you picked up. <laughs> I, I roll, I roll, I'm going to grab this one. Oh, really? oh, no, no, no. I, rolled yeah. a, I rolled a nat 20 on my insight. He's aroused. <laughs> <laughs> That's a knocking beneath the table. Twice, oddly enough. Um, <laughs> Dwarves have two penises. Is that what you're trying to say? Well, one of them shaped like a corkscrew. The other one's a screwdriver. <laughs> They're not ducks. Ducks don't have screwdriver penises. Yes, they do. What? <laughs> no, they don't. They have ducks corkscrew. Have, ducks have spirally penises? Yeah. You guys yeah. fucking with me. Don't. Not at all. The, 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 the problem is which way is it threaded? <laughs> and do... I'm going no, to ask you... Legit, a mallard ducks have corkscrew Well, penises. I'm going to ask you a question, all right? I don't want you to laugh at it when you take me seriously as a human being. Okay. Try and do... Female ducks, yes, have yes, <laughs> yes, corkscrewed, yes. yes, vaginas, yes. yes. <laughs> I like how we answer the question four words before the end of the sentence, and you kept going. <laughs> this accurately sums up DMing Terry. <laughs> Adam started this by making me, not even my character Terry, fall in love with an imaginary half orc woman, and it just went from there. She was half duck. <laughs> Anyway, Dan, she just was quackers. Uh, anyways, um, I just want to do a quick little shout out now before we move on with pitching some campaign ideas at each other here. Um, and I want to call out Lionheart Outfitters. This is an Instagram page you guys can find. Um, they basically every single uh, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, they release new item cards with uh, new descriptions and whatnot that you guys can use in your games. Um, they've, of course, got a uh, Patreon that you guys can buy into and support them that way. They're a great source of inspiration for fun items and, and whatnot in your game. So I highly recommend you guys check out at Lionhearth underscore Outfitters. I'm following them right now. Yeah. Um, I was just scrolling through their feed of just items and their item cards. Uh, they're one of those item card Instagram pages. And some of these things are absolutely phenomenal. They have one that's a dagger that uh, you roll your dice. And if you crit, it pops up behind. Like it, it, you throw it, it pops up behind the person. And your first attack with it gets advantage because it crosses behind the planes and stabs this person in the oh, back. Oh, okay, okay. Like, items like that. I, I absolutely love uh, this page, and sometimes when I'm just looking for inspiration for fun items to give characters, I'll, I'll scroll through it. So, um, give everyone give them a f- uh, follow at Lionhearth underscore Outfitters. So, hearth is like heart with an H on the end? Uh, yes. Yes. Yeah. Cool. Uh, yeah, I'm into it. That's That sounds fantastic. I'm down. I just, uh, the reason I was quiet is because I was following them. Yeah, awesome. You've been followed. All right, guys, so we've talked about the Astral Sea. We've talked about fun little encounters you can have. But um, I want to ask you guys, 
I want two one-shot ideas for a okay. one-shot you have within the Astral Sea, and I want two campaign-level ideas that we can toss out here. So grab your dice. Let's roll. I'm ready to go. Um, do one one-shot, and we'll do our round of one-shots, and then we'll do our uh, campaign sure. ideas. Sure. Let's go. What did I get? 11. Adam also got 11. Dan got 14. 14. We're going to roll off for second. I got 15. And we got 17. All right, so I'm going second. I'm going last. That means I'm going Dan, first. Dan, come first. Okay, so for my first one-shot idea, I have... Um, we haven't mentioned them yet because they are a holdover, but uh, there are these items called astral dragons. And, and I'm sorry, uh, items? I'm sorry, creatures called astral dragons. And these are yellow-skinned dragons that uh, worship a set of gods different from Bahamut and Tiamat. Um, they have weird mating rituals with them, and uh, when two astral dragons actually mate, they become um, a weird two-headed yellow dragon. So, for one-shot idea... I'm sorry, when two what mate? When two astral dragons mate, okay, they become a singular... Like, they have to, one, um, go to their deities and ask permission to form this union and when the deities give their permission they then merge into this two-headed uh, so like a, no, no 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 lift your leg you, you you put that over here and hold on oh 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 so god crap like, crap you're like attached to your at uh, the hips uh. so um my idea for a one shot here is um dealing with an astral dragon who hates his partner <laughs> I love it. Can you imagine that? Just breath weapon each other. You're, you you wouldn't be able to. They have a radiant breath weapon. Uh, I think that is that might be a special thing that we've done before in our, our previous campaign, but I would give them a radiant breath weapon. And I would have it so that you are trying to uh, find the thing they, they need, the one MacGuffin they need, to show their god to allow them to either break the union up or... To come to terms with each other, and it's just a simple one one term. Just dragon marriage counseling. Yeah, dragon marriage counseling. Right. That's 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 my first idea for a one shot. Love it, Adam. Adam is sitting here pondering. No, no, I'm I love the idea of an Etten riding this two headed dragon. Oh God. Oh yes. Right. Yeah. No, I'm I'm a hundred percent, and like they have a pet Cerberus. Uh, yeah, and and it's his emblem on his shield is is a chimera. I don't like it because it's ugly. God damn it, Terry! <laughs> no, but I just mean like, yeah, I just don't like. It's not aesthetically pleasing to me. It's no, would bother me when you were talking about the angels with all the baby heads and stuff. I was just like, no, I don't like that. I don't like. Okay, it. Uh, who's up next? Uh, that'd be me. What do you got for a one shot? For a one shot, you guys, I want you all, everybody, the whole party, roll up uh, level sixteen characters. You know, we're going relatively high level on this. Um, the Gith Yankee are coming to you to take out the Mind Flayers that have infiltrated the Astral Sea. The Gith Yankee don't want to do it because the Mind Flayers are too powerful. Dan's like, but the Gith Yankee want to do it. No, no, no. No, the Gith Yankee are busy attacking the the homestead uh, that the Mind Flayers left behind because they sent their most powerful Warriors, and so they've almost like passed each other on the battlefield, yeah. and they're attacking each other's homelands. And so, like a handful of Gith Yankee 
um, like younglings or super old or they're not able, maybe they've lost limbs or unable to fight for some reason. And they come to you, the, the this famous party of high-level warriors, to come and defend the Gith Yankee eggs mm. from the Mind Flayers. The Gith, Gith Yets, I suppose. That just sounds Russian. Well, that would just be small Gith Yankee. Smaller childlike. So that's that that's that's me. I want high level fighting mind flayers siding against uh, or siding with the Gith Yankee to protect a whole bunch of eggs. And at some point you've gotta wonder, hey, are we helping the bad guys? Yeah. Well, it. neither side is great, are they? You know, no, when it comes to right? Gith Yankee and Mind Flayers. Yeah. Neither okay, side's but, awesome. And um, I, th- I, th- I think you're fighting the Mind Flayer champion as well. Like, uh, his name would be Tentacles. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm a fan of Sir Squiggington. Oh, my God. <laughs> Tentacles. I hate it. I hate it because it's ugly. Terry, come on. Campaign ideas or encounter ideas? Encounter, one shot. Encounter, one shot. No, no, one shot, one shot. Um, I, I talked to you before about the floating terrain pieces. That sounds fucking amazing for a 3D battle. And I don't think 3D stuff gets done enough. And it's a nice, simple idea. But I brought it up because it is not used. And I'm giving the internet permission now to use it. Floating pieces of earth going in different directions, bouncing off each other. Every single round, or even as part of the initiative... The Millennium Falcon flying between them. Yeah, these <laughs> these pieces are moving, and it's going to be random directions at first. So the DM will roll the random directions. It'll already be predetermined. And then, but depending on how the players and the characters... Sorry, the characters interact with that Earth, they may bounce it off in a different way. For example, if it's a smaller piece of Earth and you do a thunder wave, you're changing the direction. Of that oh, now. love it. But now they're also bouncing off of each other from different directions. Hey, if you're stood on top of it, but this one is going up and there's one above it, you get out of the way because you're going to get squashed between them. Then that one will then bounce down the different direction. That would be hell to manage in theater of the mind. The way... You would have to do it in theater of the mind. You would have to do it, but you would have to have some sort of 3D freaking map to be able to be like, okay, so here and here. You're not actually playing with minis. You're just yeah. like, all right, so I've got I've got a post and I'm moving. Well, I would I would do it with minis, but I would I would spend some time crafting beforehand. Take some foam core board and make these floating islands. Stick them with like, um, like skewers onto little plastic bases, and and you float these items around the table. At the and have like layer actions, right? At the start of every turn, yeah. that's where these things would happen. All that needs to happen is the DM needs to know what is happening behind the screen, and is is constantly describing it correctly. You know, barbarian, you look up and to the left, and twenty feet up, you see the wizard down below. The halfling is coming towards you. Um, you know, and whatever, whatever. But I think it's great practice for all that stuff we talk about with theater of the mind. Yep. But man, what a what a battle that would be! Um, just constantly changing, and it's up to them to use their spells to redirect this, this uh, these pieces of earth. Cool, cool. Uh, my my second uh, one shot idea is you are um, tasked with um, getting information from a wizard or getting an item from a court wizard. And you get to his tower, climb up, and you see him sitting in a circle, eyes glazed, hands outstretched, and a swirling pool of color above him. Um, Your party then reaches up, seeing the swirling pool of color. They touch it, and they are projected within the astral plane through the remnants of what's left of his astral projection spell. And now your party has to go find this wizard in the astral sea. Mm -hmm. 
right? He clearly hasn't been gone that long, but then again, time happens differently in the Astral Sea. So your party will go and you, you know, find this court wizard eventually penned down by either Gith Zerai or Gith Yankee or even Mind Flayers or even some lesser Celestials uh, pinned down and being held trial there right in the middle of the Astral Sea. And now you've got to deal with that as well. Mm -hmm. So uh, uh, a rescue mission of sorts. And all you have to do to send him back is kill him. And that's all you got to do. Yeah. It's for your own good. And then you got to, once yeah, the entire party is done, you got to go and actually try to still get that information or item from a guy you just murdered. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Adam? Um, okay. So, so I want the entire party to sit down ahead of time and let's choose, I don't know, tier two, somewhere around there. Um, and everybody is going to create a party. And, and the big um, thing that I want everyone to spend the week leading up to the session talking about is their relationship with each other. They're all friends or lovers or siblings or you can have a father-son or a mother-son. Like, I just want everybody, like, deeply connected. And then they astral project and there are, um, there's one person staying back watching all of the bodies, right, to, to protect them as they're astral projecting. And they go, and you just throw high-level encounters at them. Make it hard. This is Suicide Squad, you know, six men enter, one man leaves mm -hmm. level of, like, nobody's coming back from this alive. It's a suicide mission. And that, and when they go through and they run the entire campaign and the, they've they've got some sort of, like, no, my, my lost love, and she's getting killed on the battlefield. And some people are getting, like, sucked back into their body. Other people are getting their cord cut. Right. And like this, some people are getting dragged to hell. And of course, their body just disappears from the prime material plane and just is gone off to the nine hells. And there's all this crazy shit happening. And then you wrap up the entire session by explaining to them what the person left behind saw. Like the person foaming at the mouth and dying just out of the blue. Mm -hmm. The and like they could be gone months. You could really just uh, and then uh, we're gonna hand wave our travel time. You guys travel for you roll percentile dice ninety three years, right? But the person back there only has minutes go by, and so you finish it up by saying, and this person suddenly woke up saying, "No, oh my god, we were fighting this big crazy thing," and the person left behind is like, "Oh my god, oh my god, what is happening there?" And oh, we we spent eight months and these two people fell in love and like yeah. and you can just go on and on and tell this big epic story. But it's a one shot because it's it's the perspective of the one person left behind. One person's body just disintegrates, and they're because they've gone off to the nine hells, or someone else has has been like um, just suddenly flatlines, mm -hmm. just done, stops breathing, is is over. I like the idea of having a seizure when you're asked when your cord is cut, mm -hmm. right? So it's like horrifying and yeah. visual, yeah. and so you end the entire series basically with the one last person that like chooses to wake up and says, oh, I know what the thing is, mm -hmm. but it costs the lives of everybody else. And there's just that one person left behind. And if you make that person left behind watching them, a child mm -hmm. that had to witness the whole thing, Dan's like, I don't like it. Stop it, Adam. But I, I, I think that that would be a really powerful and interesting introduction to the astral sea, especially if you then include this information and these characters as NPCs, in your regular campaign yeah. thereafter. So 
I kind of like the idea of the party, maybe not just one person watching, but the whole party is watching another party do this, and they're kind of dropping one at a time, and then the last one wakes up, does the whole <gasps> thing that you just said, and just instantly kills themselves. And it's I've like, seen too much. What did they see yeah. that made them do that? Yeah. Uh, you know what? I, I That's like, heavy, but... Yeah. I like the idea, too, of you having to protect them. Like, you, like you're the party and you're protecting their sleeping bodies as the gift Yankees show up in the Prime Material Plane to raid this area to get those people out of the Astral Sea. Shit. Right? And so you've got it's a corridor, right, that you have to protect and it's like uh, 300 style, like, do not let them past. Yeah, yeah. Right, I think that'd be that'd be an interesting way. And there's oh, there's different levels. Like maybe it starts with the portcullis, and then maybe okay, you have your, you've got the defenses. And yeah, you set and up some sort of like one layer at a time, and they're just coming. Everybody gets a certain amount of gold pieces ahead of time that you just meta game midweek yeah. before this starts. You say, "What do you want to buy? What's the layout of this? How do you want to do it? Yeah. It costs this much for a for a portcullis, this much for a, a T junction in the in the area, this much for a pit trap, right? And mm-hmm. so. And then the Kith Yankee are coming. Yeah, cool. Terry, what do you got? Now everybody just feels like Cobalt, actually. So (laughs) So good. Well, I'm not going to top that. That was phenomenal. Um, I was watching Ready Player One recently. I'm sorry. You guys seen it? It's a good good book. It's a crap movie. I didn't like the movie. (sighs) Well, this is what happens when you talk about, well, anything with nerds, really. (laughs) Do nerds like anything? Is there anything out there that we've agreed that we like collectively? Books and Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, no, you're right, you're right. Um, But uh, I love the idea of this uh, this meeting place that we can go to. Dan, you kind of touched on it earlier. Uh, But very, very lethal, very dangerous. And, and, And if you have allies spread around the continent, there's this one area that you all know you can enter the astral planet. You can do what you need to do and then get out again. But it's... I would even up the danger every time because people are getting onto the idea that you're coming in. So you can, okay, we can commune with whoever, we can speak to whoever, let's get the information, let's everybody go in. It's getting harder and harder every time. Or even using that same idea, but a neutral ground to speak to enemies. So maybe you would go and you would all have a council to decide, pick sides, decide, are we going to do this? Are we going to war? Are we going to whatever? But you're all in different parts of the continent, but that's your neutral ground that you go and meet at. Okay. I, I'm with it, but I want to. I want to raise the stakes in this. You know, when your familiar dies and you've got to summon them again, where do they go? Why not the astral sea? Wait a minute. I want to. I want to. I want to change my answer here. Where do the great old ones reside? Yes, in the astral far sea. realms. Well, like, yeah, but why not the astral sea? There's there is no reason why not. I love that idea. I like the idea of you walking and I like I said earlier, the astral dread not rises out of it. No, bitch, it's Cthulhu. Right, is just like standing up out of this tiny, like very small puddle amount of water. Yeah, and he's just rising and rising and rising, and or maybe he comes out of one of your little pyramids. Yeah, oh, that would be underwhelming. The little the little pyramid lands on your uh, hand, and then there's like one gigantic finger wraps itself out and slowly reaching through like Ace Ventura out of a rhino. Yeah, out of the yeah, yeah, and. <laughs> <laughs> there, I told you once that I'm a very visual person, and yeah. you keep on dropping these things, and Penis. I can't get them out of my head. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, was there more, Dan? Uh, yeah, we need two full-blown campaign ideas, gentlemen. These are long to level 20 campaigns. Grab your dice. All right, let's Roll go. Away. 17. 15. What, what's that? You one? have an 18. Adam, I have an 18. Is that a botch? Oh, there we go. Uh, that's a seven. 
You got a seven. Okay. Yeah. All right. So me first. So this is all about the Astral Sea. I mean, it's a no-brainer on this, right? We're going pirates. Yeah. I don't know why you wouldn't. If you're going to do a pirate campaign, why are you not doing it on the mm-hmm. Astral Sea? There's boats. There's, yeah, there's all sorts of boats. I also love the idea, again, like this, you could walk along this water and can you drink the water? You don't need to, but can you? Yeah, like is it salty? Dan, I look to you. It's not defined, but yeah, I would say it's salty. I'd say it's kind of alkaline tasting. Yeah, it's like, like you it's, just it's lick the battery. water, right? Yeah. Like you just lick the battery. Mm. Oh, like when you didn't rinse your glass properly and it still tastes like soap in your Yeah, just that mad. little bit. Or cilantro. Well, cilantro tastes like soap. I love the flavor of coriander. <laughs> but no, I like... Coriander is the seed of the cilantro <laughs> parent. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I like the idea of, of these ships that you get in that like they can be airships that also sail as well. When it like all the shit in the sky is becoming like all the like Terry was talking about the rocks hitting and shit, and so you decide to sail for a while, but the the hull sinks into this, and it's only when you're walking does it seem like it's a flat, shallow place. Oh, like on Stardust. I don't. I don't know Stardust. You've never yes. seen Stardust. Yes, one hundred percent. Where they catch yep. the lightning and stuff with the ships, but then they also float as well. You've never seen Stardust. It's a fantastic movie. You really should watch it. Robert yeah. De Niro plays a space pirate. Yeah. Okay, all right, Terry, watch Labyrinth and the Dark Crystal, and Dan, just social media, and then I will do this, okay? Okay. I, well, that, that's you, the deal. You don't okay. have to subject yourself to the Dark Crystal if you don't want to. Okay. No, I'll do it, but you should watch Stardust. Shouldn't I, it be clear? the Dark Crystal. I have, like, it. it is one of those weird movies from the past that just it's so me. It's so dark, Terry will like it. Yeah, no, you really will. Okay. Yeah. But, but, but no, I, I, I like the idea of the... Um, the ships being able to like sail and also fly, and you are essentially going out and, and bringing law and order to the astral sea to the best of your ability. Collect Gith Yankee scalps and sell them for gold. That is your currency. Jeez, I love it. All right, um, I'm up next. Um, your party all rolls up Gith Yankee and Gith Zerai, and you are part of the Shasal Co which is the group of the Githyanki and Githzerai who are seeking to unite the two. And you, uh, the entire campaign is you trying to bring together two tribes of Githzerai and Githyanki who are at, like, blood war, civil war level hatred for each other. You would love this. I would hate it because I get so frustrated I just want to kill them both. I feel like that's where that would go for me. And I'm getting a real West Side Story vibe from this. Like, yeah. It's going to be romance across the, the races. Sure. Why not? Yeah, like, why, why not? Yeah, yeah. right? And then it, it, it is a, like, you have your quiet, contemplative, more artistic level Githzerai, more monastic Githzerai, um, actually partnering with their militaristic, aggressive, hot-headed Githyanki, mm-hmm. right? And that's your party. And you have to go and, like, um, find Gith. When Gith freed the, uh, freed the Gith, from the capital G gift, the the person gift, the person gift. When when she freed the gift, she wasn't intending them to splinter after. So she disappeared and has been gone for eons. She is probably immortal. Go find her. Oh, your bard is just gonna pretend to be gift. Ah, uh, that's a man. You have to be a high level bard to pull that off. Also, remember that Githzera and Githyanki are psionics, and they will see through a fucking lie. 
Uh, will they? Do they in- inherently have like What's high the insight? What's definition of being psionic? You have you can cause damage to someone else with your mind. Okay. So you can just give that guy over there a headache, and he takes ten d ten damage. But that's right? different to telepathic. So what's what's uh, their psionic steps? Uh, get Yankee psionics, uh, which is an ability that get Yankee get. If you want to roll a character, is uh, right off the bat you know mage hand, but the hand's invisible. Um, and then when you reach third level, you cast uh, you can cast the jump spell um, at will. Uh, oh wait, no, once per long rest. And when you reach fifth level, you gain Misty Step. None of this to trait. me says that they're necessarily That's Gith Yankee. Uh, intelligence is your uh, spellcasting ability for these, um, which intelligence is the one stat increase that all Gith get. Um, so that's kind of what you get there. You also get this uh, decadent memory where you uh, learn old memories from your it time. This doesn't Tenar. say insight to me. I don't think that they yeah, can just... That's Gith Yankee. Gith Zerai... Get detect thoughts, shield, and the same mage hand. Detect thing. thoughts. Yeah, they they get detect thoughts, but I as mean, well as advantage on charmed and frightened conditioned uh, conditions. Yeah, I, and a bonus to wisdom. Again, zero. Again, I think that you could get past detect thoughts. There are ways around it. Oh yeah, there's there's uncommon items that will protect you from it. Yeah, so I I think this is something that could happen tier two and beyond. Yeah, you just had to set your bard up with you know the high charisma and. I've had the circle of life stuck in my head since 1994, so that's all they're going to get with me with detect thoughts. <laughs> that's literally it. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, that's me, Terry. Oh, mm, campaign ideas, huh? Okay. Um, one of mine was pirates, and it's obvious one, but I just kind of want to put my thoughts in it as well. I absolutely love it, and I think it's a safe place to do it. Um, because pirate campaigns, I think, can be intimidating for people because there's lots going on. And you're kind of talking naval battles and things sometimes. Uh, but I think this is your low-consequence place to do it if you're doing it in an infinite plane. It's kind of safe because it's infinite. There's not too much with regards to like weather and mountains and all that type of politics and stuff to think about. Uh, I think this is a safe place to do it. I love the idea of being part of her. If you want to play in a campaign where you get to play Gith Yankee characters, this is the time to do it. Or even not necessarily, but just go with them and take those airships even to the material plane. Just go crazy and go on raids. Be fucking Vikings in airships. Uh, I think this is a safe Drive way to do the it. airships through the color pools. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. But it's a safe way to do it in that it's not going to be campaign derailing by like using airships, fleets of airships in other campaigns because this is the campaign. Yeah. This is your time. You know your airship may crash. But the, we're going to have um, ideas to go to if that does happen. I love it. Pirates, I just wanted to jump in my two cents on that. Adam, one last idea there. All right, so at the very beginning, you guys discover, the party discovers together, and they're already established as a party. This doesn't bring them together, but um, they discover together a map. And the map is of a section of the Astral Sea called the Cluster of Wealth. And every artifact and and legendary item that you can find in uh, official D&D published material has been stolen by Gith Yankee pirates and spread out amongst strongholds. And you know which stronghold it has which item and how powerful it is. And you guys are going to go loot the Gith Yankee. 
and all of your random encounters are between strongholds, and you can choose which one you're going to go after. You know that there's a general over here and a captain over there, and there's a red dragon over here, and yeah. so you know that there's an astral dreadnought that kind of patrols in this in this neighborhood over here, but there are two powerful strongholds in there, and like you, you know the map ahead of time. And this is you just, it's not even MacGuffins. You're just like, what What do we need next? Well, we freaking need that sword that can cut through an Astral Dreadnought in a single hit. We need the Vorpal Sword mm-hmm. right now to be able to, to fight that. But the Vorpal Sword is over there, but it's really protected. We should be about level 8 for that. So first, let's go get a bunch of weapons over here. And you strategize and you know your plan and you're going to systematically work If, if you have a high tactics party, this could really work out of those guys who like really want... Like, they build their characters based off what items they get as well. Mm-hmm. Focus that on these guys as well. That's a great kind of campaign for that and, kind of group. And if you have areas in there where they have uh, ironically enslaved some Mind Flayers... Or they have uh, Githzerai that are about to be executed, slated for execution. They can sit there and choose which allies to make, who to free, who to get on their on their side. And they can run into people astral projecting from other planes and whatnot coming in. And they can, they can deal with them and get information. Or you know what? Shit, we need help here. Guys, we're, we're going to go to Mount Celestia just for a moment. And we're going to try to get some high-level angel power, cool. right? And so I think that this would be a really neat campaign just to run there. Um, but you're just, you're just after items. I yeah. love it. I love it, too. Okay, so for my campaign, my second one is um, you roll a standard high fantasy party. Standard rule set, whatever you want to do there. But um, your party is met by the, uh, the elderly wizened you know, hermit that meets out in the woods and it's revealed that he is one of these uh, gift Yankee um, great wizards that was slated to be sent to the big paradise um, when he found out what what Vlackith does with people there and he rebelled. And he's going to use your party, who he has foreseen with his freaky-deaky-yith-yanky magics. He has foreseen your party being the ones to unseat the eternal god-queen Vlekith. And your party is now sitting there, and it's urban warfare as you go through Tunarath. It's um, you trying to convince the most like hard-line, militaristic... Um, cast of creatures in Dungeons and Dragons to rebel against their queen by releasing this information. So it is it is a uh, rebellion storyline as you go, mm-hmm. led by this uh, one male Gith Yankee. Uh, and the reason why I specify there is it is revealed at the end that it is actually Gith who has been leading you to tear down this. Is Gith um, male or female? Gith is female. female. So at the end... The, the shroud of, uh, you know, of obfuscation leaves and Gith steps, you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Gith steps out, like maybe in the big meeting, when you finally get to sit face to face with Vlacketh, this character comes out, sheds her uh, disguise, and it is Gith. And now Vlacketh has to decide if she is actually still subservient to Gith, like she claims all along. Or she is now her own thing. And you have a fight between an arch lich who has the power level of an entire council of archmages 
and an ancient red dragon who has been sitting by her side for eons. And you're fighting, um, what's his name? Ephelamon as well. So this entire campaign of causing civil unrest in the most hardline militaristic, um, strict culture in Dungeons and Dragons. I love like that. I love really high. I like really low level stuff and really high level stuff. Really high level stuff because you can go mega epic with it. You've got yep. ancient dragons fighting, you know, soon to be gods or existing gods or whatever. Uh, but I love the low level play because the threat of death is so real. Yeah, I feel so vulnerable all the time. But for the high level stuff, I love that. And the thing is, doing an urban campaign in Tunaroth is not that hard because the city is very well defined. Yeah, and it exists in the Astral Sea. Like uh, it. The city itself is really well defined in Mordekainen. So, um, running urban an urban campaign there, going through the different districts, like they have one district where it's uh, called the Glathk district, which that is the Githyanki word for farmer, and it is a dirty word. It is like that's where all the poor folk go, and they just call them farmers, and it, it's it's that kind of mm-hmm. uh, twisting campaign. Hell. I would even see if you could run um, like a dragon heist level campaign just out of Tunaroth. Yeah, love it. Yeah, uh, me. Yeah, it's you. I, um, I would. I don't know if you two know this about me. I'm quite an avid chess player. Did you Are know? you? Yeah, I oh, am. really? For real. yeah, yeah. So am I. So am I. Yeah, we should sit down. Oh, okay. No. Oh my God, we're gonna play. Are you as well, Dad? Yeah. How did we just find out about, about this? I'm sure no one is surprised that I was in a chess club for years. Oh, you'll yeah. be a lot better than me. I am self-taught shit level. Dude drops. I'm an avid chess player and then realizes that we are too. Oh, no, no, no. Guys, oh, no. I'm shit. I'm shit. Oh, no, I was going to go further in that. I'm like, uh, I'm like, I'm like the dirty boxer of chess. Like, you're, you're going to be like, you're playing Terry, like... Terry, Terry gets to the end of King Me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Who was it in Game of Thrones? It, maybe it's Cersei um, where she's talking about making moves and she's like, sometimes make a move if it does, just, even if it doesn't make sense just to make them wonder why you made that move. I'm like that type of fucked up chess. It's just a fun, it's just fun for me. Mm-hmm. You know, just like fucking people. But anyway, the reason I brought this up is because I was playing chess and I was thinking, it's, it's weird how these, these pieces move. It doesn't seem to make sense. It makes sense for the game, but this is supposed to simulate a battle, but it doesn't really seem to make sense. And then when we start talking about the Astral Sea and gates, and I like to talk big scale battles, that's when I was thinking, imagine these two forces facing off. And then, are we fighting? Yes, we are. We can't come to terms of peace. Okay, let's go. And instead of these regular battle tactics happening, all of a sudden, the cavalry on this side just fuck off to the right and then appear Super Mario style out of this gate and then hit them from the back. Oh, I love that. And then, you know, or for some reason, uh, the archers have decided that they're going to sprint in front of everybody, which would make no sense typically because when they get halfway across the battlefield, then they suddenly appear over here coming out of this gate. And I just thought this has like this sort of 3D chess style thinking of these two generals now are thinking on this epic level of why they're going here because now they're going to appear over here, which means this, which means this. Um, so it can be done very small scale battle or it can be done very large scale battle if if you can find a system uh, to make it work. But I was watching chess and I thought, if uh, playing chess and I thought, if there's a way that we can do these messed up Super Mario Pac-Man style moves of appearing here and appearing here the astral sea would be perfect because it's just basically a big open wet battlefield uh, and it would just be so good if we could pull it off somehow i would love that but have on either side 
uh, someone who's capable of generating these portals. Mm-hmm. So, like, you have... And counterspelling them as well. And yeah. counterspelling them as well. But, like, you see the, uh, you know, that one cavalry wing takes that hard right and goes off towards a blue portal. And this guy just creates a red one in front of them. And then they pop out of a red one a moment later. But there's a third of them. And they are beat up and destroyed because they just accidentally rode into the abyss and yeah but even if you want to do it on a smaller scale as just with everyone controls their own players yeah for whatever reason the players and the enemies now have the ability or one or two people on each side have the ability to do this you because now you're getting the players to use their interactions much more mm-hmm. hey i'm ahead of the wizard in, in initiative it's his turn coming next or whatever so i'm using my interaction to say hey turn that blue one red Okay, I love it. His turn, do it, do it, do it. And I just thought that would be uh, that would be great. It's great, interesting. Thing. Absolutely love it. Yep, but uh, that's me, guys. That's okay. me. Uh, that actually brings us to the end of the episode. Any other uh, uh, thoughts on the Astral Sea? Yeah, I got, I got a question. Mm. So Gith went off to go have uh, a meeting with Tiamat and her red dragon consort, whose name I can never remember, Ephelamon. Um, Did I get that right? Ephelamon, uh, yeah. He comes back and says, all right, so there's this big sacrifice, and she died, and now Vlacketh is going to be the new queen. And, and then time passes, and no one hears from Gith ever again. And then suddenly, out of the blue, nowhere, right after the spell plague, the Raven Queen appears and has Shatter Kai, which are similar to Gith in a lot of ways. Is the Raven Queen Gith? How and why? I, I'm with you, but how and why? I don't know yet. I like. I'm, I'd have to. I'd have to build that. I got to dig deep into the lore to see if that lines up. But like, is the Raven Queen Gith? Oh, I, I, I've also heard like theories this. like the Raven Queen is uh, like Mistra. No, the Raven well. Queen appears to the bar- at the party at the end of their campaign. Their big huge battle. They've. They've gone through so much together, tears, character death, everything. The Raven Queen appears and whispers to them, it's pronounced Jith, and then fades. There we go. Uh, Yeah, I love it. I love it. That's beautiful. That bothers me on so many levels. Roll credits. (laughs) So that's it for this week's episode on the Astral Sea. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, and YouTube, as well as dozens of other podcast apps. You can also find us at www.itsamimic.com or email us at info at itsamimic.com. Thanks for listening to the It's a Mimic podcast, and make sure you check us out next week when we're covering loot. Loot. Hmm. The the reward, not the instrument. I mean, you can get an instrument for loot. I'm glad you cleared that up now, because if I came prepped for the instrument, I'd have been... Terry shows up with a loot ready to go. <laughs> Do you back. have a loot? No, why would I have a loot? Who, gonna, has, who has a loot? I know several people that have loots. Fucking nerds, man. Thank you for listening to It's a Mimic. Check us out online at itsamimic.com or on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Have questions you would like answered by the guys on the show? Send them an email to itsamimic at gmail.com. Tune in every Tuesday for more. Okay, boys, we talked a lot about uh, the color pools and and the fact that the Astral Sea is a transitive thing that kind of connects all of the planes of existence. And it got me thinking, what is your favorite shared universe? 
Like the MCU, Zamf, mm-hmm. uh, King's shared universe he's got with his books. Stephen King, you mean? Yeah, Stephen King. Um, <laughs> Discworld, like all of these things all together. What 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 is your favorite shared universe? Are we rolling for it? Sure, let's do it. Did I get fourteen again? Fifteen? I got fourteen and fifteen quite a lot tonight. I think. Um, I'm going last with a 12. Last with a 12. Dan, you go first with a 19. I go second with a 15. I really like Piers Anthony Xanth series. I, I don't know anything about this. You're I grew up on it. I don't know. Uh, there's there's a say. selection of nerds that are listening that are like, yeah, go Piers Anthony. Uh, the Xanth series are absolutely incredible. It's a high fantasy, uh, small little novellas. They're really easy to digest, um, and they cover some of the weirdest kind of tweaks of high fantasy and... and, and uh, play on a lot of the tropes of high fantasy that like um what's it about uh it is about the land of xanth which is a magical can you land. spell xanth for me so with an x a fuck off n t h yeah mm, all right. i don't like those sounding words z words that's an x yeah but the sound okay i don't like it i think it's lazy it's laziness yeah, trying to sound I honestly, creative. I, I, I recommend the Xanth books, and, and, and Piers Anthony is an author, just whenever I can. I'm he's, sure it's great. Oh, it's, it's it's fantastic. And, like, they don't take themselves too seriously, which is something I really enjoy about them. They're just fun, high fantasy reads. Mm-hmm. Like, they're they're almost comedies. Some of them are straight-up comedies. Yeah. yeah okay. Um. So they're they're weird and quirky, and, and, like, Discworld is along the same vein, right? But... Who's next? Adam. Uh, no, that was Terry. Who's next? I Me, Terry. I, hold on. I got to agree with you about about the X equals Z. I don't. Just, I, I, I feel like if anybody like you know, you know, sometime next eight years they're gonna release some movie directly to Netflix called Zombies, but it's about with a fucking X. Yeah, and yeah. I'm already mad about. I it. I don't even like it when you go past businesses and they've changed the legitimate word. They've changed the spelling, but kept it the same. Ecstasy is spelled with an X. Ah, oh, fucking! Yeah. It's just laziness trying to come across as creativity. So how do you feel about the rapper Exhibit? Yeah, don't well. I mean, not exactly going down as one of the musical geniuses of our time. Some people may argue that. Fuck you. I don't care. TLDR. Um, but what I'm saying is I don't like that. I also don't like alliteration in businesses. You know when it's just like uh, uh, Patty's Party Palace. I'm like, shut up. You're that. That's not Apple to me. But okay, I, I freaking love that. <laughs> no, I hate. But specifically, it. like my D and D campaigns, like every single in has to be either an alliteration or something like witty mm. to it. Did you know that you guys right now in the campaign are at the heavy, heavy melanin? The heavy melon in, yeah, and it's then it that is where the sun god came in because heavy melanin. Yeah, it bothers the, me. The sun god was just sucks me out of it. I, I was wondering what it was. I'm like, what about like the heavy melanin? I can't believe out of all of us, I take my fantasy so seriously. I'm like, <laughs> I, I, I'm like in Western. I am. I am like, yes, the comedy me. of it. Like, oh, I, really I do like. I only do the fantasy. clever wordplay for taverns and businesses because I feel like that's what the people in the, if yeah. if they don't have a sense of humor, they won't have it. It'll just be like Moe's Tavern, right? Like, <laughs> and, and that's what you get. But yeah, but no, there, there's like the uh, eats and sheets. Right, yeah, the, the the bed and bread, the bog and bollywood tent. Um, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, what's mine? Yeah, well, fuck. I'm just gonna. People are gonna be like, oh, but Anne Rice, man. I fucking love vampires. I love goth stuff. Um, and those books are amazing. I was uh, I was thrift shopping this weekend past. Ooh. Yeah, do you know why? You're popping some tags. Do you know what? I was popping some tags, and I'll, I'll tell you for why as well. Oh, for why, Terry? For why? <laughs> I'll tell you for why. <laughs> Tell us for why, Terry. 
because like, you can get Literally books potatoes. cheap as fuck. Like I was in there, <laughs> I was like, I'm sorry, this book is one dollar. I will take twelve Anne Rice books. Like, let's go. Uh, anyway. Uh, but I love all of the little side stories I think I told you guys before about Star Wars I was like I don't really care about the Skywalker saga I like all the little side spin-off ones yeah. that's what I like about that universe as well is like reading uh, Marius' book and then Armand's book and then kind of going off um, but I I love that universe put me in it I would gladly be a vampire in that universe cool anyway Adam Adam Okay, so my answer is the Cheers universe. Like the show Cheers. No, it's not. Be quiet. Yeah. Oh, oh well, no, no, I know where he's going with this. Like no, 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 no. I, I get where he's going with this. Cheers, Fraser, Wings. That's obvious. Also, Seinfeld, Mad About You, Friends, Joey, How I Met Your Mother, and Caroline in the City. And all the same the All in the same universe due to crossovers between uh, little characters that have, like, guest starred and showed up here. Mad About You, Phoebe's sister Ursula is in the coffee shop as a waitress for a little while and shit like that. They all cross over. I can do that again. Cheers, Wings, Fraser, or Fraser, Seinfeld. It's Fraser. I said Fraser. Fuck it. We're in Vancouver. I swear you got to pass. So Seinfeld, Mad About You, Friends, and, of course, Joey, How I Met Your Mother, and Caroline in the City, but wait, there's more because Cheers also crossed over with Saint Elsewhere, which ties it to the Law and Order universe. Oh my God! Well, that was a phenomenal one. Yeah, that that's my answer. I I just have weird trivia knowledge. I I I, I don't like a world where Law and Order exists in the same in a world where Law As and Barney Order and Friends. Stinson. This yeah. I, I I I like that like Law and Order and Friends. That's a, a that I like that crossover. That'll be good. Mm. You imagine Chandler I mean, and Terry Cheers bar in New York, or is it? I thought it's in like Chicago. It's a Boston, isn't it? Mm. Something like that. I think uh, it's not in New York. I don't know. Well, f- well, and Fra- Fraser's in Seattle. Fraser's Seattle. Yeah, but he didn't he move in from Boston, so isn't that, that's why I say Boston. I don't know, man. It was so long since I watched. It, yeah, it is. It has been a long time since I've watched any of these shows, but like. I, I like that shared universe, and it's weird that it's, it's like that. And doesn't St. Elseworld, or uh, Elseworld, uh, um, uh, I don't think I've seen a single episode of St. Elsewhere. No? No. It's, it, it's a hospital it. drama, isn't it? Uh, yes, but is that the one that ends where it turns out that the entire thing, and this is how I tie it together. Hold on, I gotta, I'm gonna, I gotta pause for a second. I gotta make sure I know what I'm talking about. Pause. Hey, baby, said the way you move, gonna make you sweat, gonna make you groove. Yep. So, so here's my favorite thing. Okay, Saint Elsewhere. The last episode, the finale ends, and it is revealed that the hospital itself is inside a snow globe, and it is an autistic kid that is looking at it, and everything that happened in the series happened in the mind of this autistic child, which would then include Law and Order, Cheers. Seinfeld, Friends. No, don't you do yeah, it. How I Met Your Mother. Don't you do it. Joey, Frazier. All of them are all in the mind. In canon, this is legit. All in the mind of an autistic child. Christopher Walken uh, walks in and says he carried a pocket watch or possessed for six. I don't know. No. <laughs> I, uh, it's true. Uh, how? Uh, so who's confirmed this? How is this a confirmed thing? Just because of all the crossovers that are going on between all those shows, yeah, they all have they all have little characters that cross over here and there, or they will make reference to. Uh, I was at, I was in New York, went to Central Park, 
right? The coffee shop. Like, there's just confirmed crossovers between all of these things. And then, and that's just it. Like, there it is. That's all you need to make a shared universe. I've, like, rocked dance for the world. Man, I don't know. I like, like, 90% of those shows. And <laughs> this is brand new news to me. Like, first time I've ever heard it. I, I just know trivia. I don't know why I know any of that, but I do. Jeez. All right, well. I don't like it. And now I have to go and try and repeat this to people as though I knew it. And I'm going to be like, friends was all in the mind of an autistic child. And uh, <laughs> that's, like, a, that's a good opener. I'm, I'm going to pull it off. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be like, why? I'm like, because of Frasier. Obviously, pay attention. <laughs> he was in Seattle, but originally Boston. Originally Boston. I, I, I like how so, the MCU is kind of like the, the, one, the one shared universe that coined the phrase, the shared universe. And neither, like none of us liked it. Did it? I thought shared universe was from uh, Silver Age Comics. Oh, sure. Okay. Which would have been the DCU, yeah. I guess, then, because the Flash was jumping all over. But yeah. none of us mentioned MCU. No, my second is going to be Star Trek, obviously. They went back in time to save Humpback Whales, man. Yes, and it was one of the best movies. It was a fantastic movie. That is one of the only ones that I will sit down and watch because it has nuclear vessels. 